Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Many of you might be breathing a tremendous sigh of relief this week as we put the dreaded Daylight Savings Eve behind us for the spring. You can now enjoy an additional hour of sunlight each day until November when, of course, the clocks roll back again, but here too now is a ray of hope. If you watched the news yesterday, you might be aware that the United States Senate has officially moved to push what they're calling the Sunshine Protection Act through a vote to Congress, which, if passed, will then end that dreaded twice annual ritual for good. Now, friends, as your pastor, I've made a pledge to you never to preach my personal politics from this pulpit, but in this instance, and only in this instance, I'm going to make an exception, because these brave men and women are truly doing God's work. But jokes aside, there's something about the very nature of light that is fundamentally alluring to man. From the joys of high noon on a summer day to the soft glow of an evening campfire, from the dizzying array of a Pink Floyd laser show to the simple fascination of a toddler for their new light-up shoes. Light warms and comforts. Light in equal measures can protect and dazzle. Tonight, as we continue our look at our Lenten series, examining the promised treasures of our Lord God, Tonight we focus on that gift of light. The theme of light is dominant, as you may have noticed, in all of our readings for this day. The very first thing that we hear God create in the book of Genesis is light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. As he spoke light into the chaos and the darkness of the unformed universe, so also did he separate that light from the darkness, calling the light day and the darkness night. In our reading from John's Gospel, Jesus Christ calls himself the light of the world. For not only did God create light at the beginning of, beginning of creation, but he also sent the light of the world in his only begotten Son, our Savior and Redeemer. And since you are now united with this same Jesus Christ through baptism into faith, you also are made to be light in this world. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says to his disciples, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Because of Christ's connection to you through this sacrament of holy baptism, because you bear his name and his light before all the world, St. Paul reminds us in our third reading from Ephesians, you were once darkness. That is, you were not born into the light of Christ, but the light of Christ was given you. Therefore, you are now light in the Lord. He has made you to be the very image of his Son to your neighbor. The theme of light and darkness is found all throughout the Holy Scriptures. Throughout the rich history of the church, we have always recognized the significance of light, and we make use of light in every worship service. 
Indeed, many of you note that the very first thing that you see when you come into the sanctuary is one of our acolytes lighting the candles surrounding the altar, letting you as Christians know that the light of Christ is truly in this place. In, early church, in the early Christian church, after candidates were instructed in the faith, they left a very dark room where they were made to renounce Satan, and then they entered into a brightly lit room where they would be baptized. After their baptism, they would receive a lighted taper, very similar to what our acolytes use every week, to remind them that they were now light in the Lord. Therefore, it is our practice today to give those who are baptized a candle. This simple candle signifies that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and that same light now dwells within them shining through their lives in all that they say and do. Many of you have a couple of these candles at home. Maybe you still even have yours from your baptism. As you perhaps light this candle annually in remembrance of your baptism, or any time you light a candle at home, the very first thing that you'll sense is its warmth. Secondly, you'll note the security that it adds, bringing light into what was formerly a dark room. This light enlightens you. How secure then do many people feel in this dark and sinful world who live without Christ's light and hope and peace? For outside these doors, we confess that there is indeed an immense darkness, a darkness that would continue to try and strangle the life out of this world. This darkness blinds people from the truth of God's word and tries to make them feel helpless and hopeless. Of course, we're not speaking about any ordinary darkness, but rather the darkness of sin, that darkness into which we were all born. This darkness tries to choke out the light of Christ. That is why St. Paul clearly says to us, "'Take no part in those unfruitful works of darkness.'" but instead expose them. When anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. Now, dear friends, this is easy to preach from a pulpit, but how many of you, if you're being honest, would really like your misdeeds and sins and offenses exposed by the light and the truth of God's word? Do you really want God to expose the nitty-gritty details of your life under the brightness of his beam? I confess to you that I would much rather do the opposite. I would like to run and hide in the darkness where sin thrives. Often I am like Adam, who you remember in the Garden of Eden after he took the bite of the forbidden fruit, hid from God as he walked through Eden in the cool of the day. It was not until God finally spoke to Adam, saying, where are you, that Adam was made to face the light. At other times, I am tempted to hide my light, like Peter. 
Peter, who denied his Lord three times in the public light of others. None of us wants to be exposed with our sin and our shame because that means that we must acknowledge that sin and we must repent. I would rather run into the dark than step out into the light and all of its requirements. However, if I refuse to heed God's honest word, then I also refuse his light. Your sinful nature is far more comfortable in the dark than in the light because it feels like no one can see what it is doing, the wrongs that it commits, and the people that it hurts. But friends, whether we are in light or in darkness, God knows your heart and mine. He knows our adulterous thoughts. He knows our greedy intent. He knows our lustful and covetous thoughts. Jesus famously called the Pharisees, of all people, whitewashed tombs. He did so because they looked great on the outside, but inside it was like they were dead man's bones. This Lenten season, God shines his light anew on you on your heart and your life. God exposes it all, not so that we would run and hide from him like Adam, our forefather, but that we would daily die to our dark sin and receive his light, his love, and his forgiveness through Jesus' wounds and words. In this way, we remember that light which was given us in our baptism. This, more than anything else, is what Lent is truly about. More than giving up things like alcohol or sweets for a period of 40 days of fasting, Lent is about dying to my sin because Jesus Christ died for me and for my sin. Lent exposes my old life, my sinful nature, in order to bury it in Christ's tomb. It is buried there so that on Easter... I may rise with him again, joyfully in the light of his resurrection, a new man. Jesus Christ is the true light who gives such light to every man, to every woman, to every child at the waters of baptism. Although his life was extinguished on the cross amid total darkness, still he bore the weight of this world's sin and darkness in order to bring light to us and to all the world. Jesus was lonely and forsaken by God, and yet it was by such rejection that Jesus brought light and life to the world and forever crushed the darkness of sin, death, and the devil. The cross, therefore, always brightly reflects joy and love and mercy for us because it was there that Jesus suffered in our place to bring light and love to us. Even though your sins have been like scarlet, we read in Isaiah how they now have been made white as snow. From his cross shines yet a new beam. It pierces through your darkest and your most depressive thoughts, and it fills you with peace and joy as only he can give. The light of Christ shines brighter than the sun, and like the moon, 
you have been given the privilege to reflect that light of Christ to your neighbor. Have you ever visited someone who is coming out of the gloom or shadow of darkness? And I'm sure you have all known someone. Maybe it was someone who was grieving the loss of a dearly loved family member. Someone who was badly broken over the loss of a relationship. As you listened to them and prayed for them or with them, over time, and after those continuous words of comfort, what was it you noticed? That that light, which seemed so dim, by the repeated hearing of God's word and the joy of Christ crucified for them, that light was rekindled. It began to shine brighter and newer than before. For they realized that these clouds of pain, that the darkness of sin hovers over us, these clouds will pass. The bright light of Christ's cross beams on us with grace, forgiveness, love, and mercy. That is a light which no darkness can overcome. Dear friend, Christ's light continues to shine through you and through your words each and every day. And so, in this Lenten journey, receive Christ again, the very light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.